y'all. Welcome back to the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast, a place where you and all of your crap are not just welcome, you're wanted. I'm your host, Blake Gishay, and every week I'm showing up with a new friend to talk about the things we're really great at, the ways Christ fills in the gaps on the things that we're not, and how he has been faithful to make his power perfect in our weaknesses. My hope is that you walk away feeling empowered and not alone in your struggles, and that people sharing their stories pushes you to share yours. All right, let's do this. All right, y'all, today's interview is with Kelly Needham. Kelly is a servant of Jesus, a student of the Bible, wife to Jimmy Needham, mom of three kids, and author of her new book, Friendish. Her life goal is to convince as many people as possible that nothing compares to knowing Jesus, and you're about to fall in love with her. We're going to dive headfirst into the hard parts of navigating friendship as a believer, what it should and shouldn't look like, and how to take steps towards Christ-centered biblical friendship. Here we go. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Blake. I'm so happy to be here with you. Y'all, I'm super excited to have Kelly Needham on the show today to talk about friendship and her new book, Friendish, Reclaiming Real Friendship in a Culture of Confusion. This is going to be so good. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So to get us started, Kelly, tell us a little bit about yourself and your new book and all that. Yeah. Um, Well, I love Jesus. I know that sounds super basic, but when I think about like what defines my life and my decision making, I just really love him. I love that, um, gosh, just what the work that he's done in my life. And so I really feel like that has really defined, even in this friendship book, what I want to say and how I want to say it is, um, Jesus, it sounds so corny. He's my best friend. (laughs) You know, when we talk about, um, friendship and, and what really centers us in that for me, that, that really is a big part of it that, um, I know the living God, and mm-hmm. man, that's my favorite thing about myself. <laughs> and uh, I love that. <laughs> that that really is kind of a, a central thing for me. And I s- call myself sometimes a student of the Bible. I just am hungry to know all there is to know about it. Uh, I'm always filled with a thousand questions every time I read through it. And um, so that's very much a part of my day to day is just finding the answers to a lot of questions. And then um, I'm married to a man named Jimmy Needham, who uh, some people know, some don't. He's a musician and songwriter and now a pastor at our church who oversees the worship ministry there. So we've done a lot of travel together, which has been so neat. And we have three kids, um, two biological and one adopted. And we're in the process of adopting again, actually. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So you have a book coming out in August. Yes, August 27th, the end of the summer. August 27th, Friendish. Tell us about Friendish. I hoped to capture with the title this idea that um, there's a a version of friendship or being a friend that's not quite all that it should be. Uh, When you think about um, that's straight-ish, it means it looks kind of straight, but it's not quite all the way there. And I think a lot of us um, have experienced friendship or walking in friendships that are just not quite all that they were meant to be. Mm. And Friendship is incredibly important for all of us and for Christians in particular. We see, um, you know, Jesus 
say of, of those around him at one point, who are my family, essentially my, those who do the will of God. I mean, he elevates a, a relationship that in some ways we would just call friendship. Um, these relationships we have within the church and, and within our communities as really high and valuable. And so it matters that we learn how to do that well. So that's something that I have thought about a lot. There's been different reasons for why I've thought about it. Um, friends in my life over the years that have had uh, friendships that started out seemingly healthy. Again, they were friendish. They looked, mm-hmm. they looked good. Um, they were going to Bible studies and time at Jesus, but something was off. And so it really forced me to work through as I was walking alongside people in my life. What's wrong here and what needs to get straightened out and what's really beautiful about friendship and what needs to be cast aside. And so this has been something I've been thinking about for a long time. And it's because I'm really passionate about friendship and right. doing it well because it is such an important and valuable piece in my life and um, should be for all of us. So it, it's really trying to help um, people see the beauty of friendship and preserve what is beautiful about it and kind of cast aside what is um, inappropriate for it and not healthy in it. Right. I love this so much because, I mean, it's an interesting topic to navigate because I think, like you said, we've all experienced like a less than stellar friendship and probably even mm-hmm. like been a friend-ish to someone else. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. You and I were talking before we started recording, like as we get older, friendship got harder. Mm-hmm. Like it's less like in our faces and easily accessible and it becomes something it feels like it becomes something else in our life that takes an effort and life gets crazy and we're growing and we're changing and so I think to even like start the conversation of like friend-ish and like how to be better like you have to have a conversation about like what kingdom-minded friendship isn't Mm -hmm. right so like I know that from like looking into your book, which I'm like so pumped to read. Mm-hmm. I know you talk a lot about idolatry and mm-hmm. dependency in your book and your ministry. I think that's like a really good place to start talking about like what friendship isn't supposed to look like. Totally. Yeah. I think, it, you know, friendship is an area for us as Christians that I, I don't actually think we've done a lot of hard work on in um, discerning how our faith should change our practice of it. So when you think about marriage, there's a lot of great resources out there. We've done a lot of good thought work about how being a Christian, knowing God, having access to the living God, how does that transform how we practice marriage? It doesn't mean that marriage is a bad thing. It is a great thing, but it helps us see how we're tempted to idolize marriage, the gift above the giver, and how marriage can't actually fulfill us. Um, And so we can enter into it in a different way because we have access to God. But in friendship, I I find a lot of people don't think twice about it. They Mm -hmm. just go, any friendship is a good friendship, as long as, especially for Christians, as long as it's same gender, right? We're like, oh, it's a free for all. It doesn't matter what you do. Right. Uh, As long (laughs) as you're not partying or drinking or doing dumb stuff, like, it's probably fine. Right. (laughs) And I would say, no. Uh, Mm. We're not supposed to be taken captive by any worldly philosophy about anything. And not adapting these worldly philosophies to us. Instead, we should ask, you know, how is this meant to be according to Christ? How does Christ inform this really important and and really huge relationship that we would all say all the time we're in friendships with people um, or we're longing for them? It's a a really important part. And so uh, some of what the beginning part of my book is trying to do is is help us see um, these worldly friendships that that we are not used to keeping our eyes out for. 
And some of those would be idolatry, which idolatry is is just worshiping anything that's not God. And for us, worship is a, is a heart issue. It is what what do we treasure most? What is our security and stability? What is giving us worth and meaning and value? And anytime that we look at something that's not God for that, that's idolatry. Yeah. And when we define it that way, hopefully we should all feel a need for the good news of Jesus in the room and go, oh, I, that's all day long. I struggle with that. I mean, right. that's a, a daily, it's not like we figure out how to not be idolaters and then we're good. And mm-hmm. I figured that out two years ago, you know, you good luck to you friend who's trying to work that out. So no, I, I think this is a daily temptation to mm-hmm. look to something that's not God. And most often we look to his gifts, these good things like marriage. Marriage is a great gift God gave. And it's really tempting to think, it can bring you fulfillment, not God. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true of friendship. We can look to friends in our life, assuming that they can give us security and stability, satisfaction. You know, this uh, they can heal the deep ache of loneliness in our hearts. That they can give us significance, and they can for a time, but ultimately, only Jesus can fill that. Only He is living water. Our friends can can point us back to living water, but as soon as we try to go to them, we're doing what Jeremiah um, said in Jeremiah 2.13, that we are forsaking the fountain of living waters, and we are hewing out cisterns, these things that, that would hold water, but they're broken, and they, they can't hold water. And so we keep trying to pour water into them, and they're leaking out. And I think that that's where you get into um, a consistent idolizing of friends, putting them above mm. Christ, is where dependency gets cultivated, is where clinging tighter and tighter and tighter to either a specific friend, a group of friends, or just the idea of friendship, because we're desperately trying to get our thirst met from it, and it's not working. And mm-hmm. instead of repenting of that and going to Christ, we're just clinging on tighter. And that's really un- unhealthy. And I think that's where we can see a lot of uh, damage coming into our relationships in really unexpected ways. The problem is with a lot of our dependencies and, and the way we're clinging to our friends, it's often happening through like Bible study. That's at least mm. surface behavior that's happening. And, you know, we don't catch it all the time on the front end because how could that be wrong? But sometimes it's that deep need for, I need this friend in this Bible study. And if someone comes in, a new person comes in, or that friend makes a new friend, we get bothered by that. Like those are all signs that we're. We're, we're clinging really tightly, but because we're often not looking for it, we're not even aware that we should be. I think these kind of unhealthy um, ways of relating to our friends creep in without us even noticing until they've the weeds are so deep in mm. heart that it, it can lead us to a really bad place in a way that we're not aware of. Um, so I'm hoping that addressing some of those things in this book will give people eyes to see some of those weeds. Not because mm-hmm. we hate friendship, it's actually because we love it. You know, a good garden right. who loves flowers knows what a weed is because they want to pull the weed out to let the flowers actually flourish and grow. And so yeah. in love for friendship, we go, we want to see what these weeds are so we can pull them out. And, and real friendship can actually flourish in our lives. Mm. I lo- like, I mean, everything you said, I'm just like, yes, yes, mm. yes. I love what you said about like that, how much attention we have geared towards the, the shift that should happen in your thoughts towards marriage when you like step into a relationship with Christ, but that we're like not doing that with friendship. Mm-hmm. I think that that's part of why I was so excited to talk to you is that like, this is not a super 
like saturated platform in the mm-hmm. Christian world. Like we're talking about marriage and we're talking about all these other things, but we're forgetting to talk about this really vital mm-hmm. part of our day to day and how to like make it look like Christ and how to make it kingdom minded. Um yeah. I'm learning a lot right now about healthy relationships. My husband and I are in marriage counseling, which that's great. I talked about multiple times. And one of the things that like we came to the table with that really translates into friendship was like, okay, like I know that God is the provider of all of these things, but does that mean that like this person in my life isn't also supposed to like did like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like are they just totally off the hook? Right. And my the counselor gave us this his answer was obviously like so great. He was like Yes, God is the answer. God is the source of all of those things, but he uses people in your life to minister mm-hmm. to those needs. And, like, what a different, like, setup mm-hmm. for your friendship that is when it's like, I don't need these things from you. Like, you're not an idol. I'm not necessarily dependent on you, but I see God using you in my life and me, God using me in yours to minister to these needs that we were created with totally to one another and that just like changes ever like the way you look at all of your relationships mm-hmm. and i think like so listening to your description of like i draw idolatry and dependency like there i know for sure there's people listening that are like oh shoot <laughs> yeah. like i'm in a friendship like that <laughs> like i yeah uh-huh yep. like what what is your answer to people who are like okay like I'm there. Mm. That is the that is what my friendships look like right now. Yeah. I know there's and that's what was so challenging about writing this book because there's so many people in so many varied situations and circumstances. And ultimately in you know, it sounds really cliche to people, but ultimately the solution, the thing that writes all the other wrongs is going to Christ because mm. When we have idolatry or dependency, it's, again, what has happened is we've forsaken the fountain of living waters and gone to something that is not the fountain of living waters. And so in a really simple way, like if that's what you've done in friendship, it's, a, it's mainly about God. You have rejected God as being that primary person in your life who provides for you your sense of security and stability and approval and all of these things. You have essentially said, and you and me, I've done this too. So this is not me pointing fingers saying I've seen this in my own life. It's, It's us saying, God, you're not enough for me. I need these things from my friends. And so the simple solution is you, we go back to God, which the Bible calls that repentance. But repentance is less about the sin. It's more about who you're going back to. It means returning. And so that's, a to me, a daily posture, a daily habit to go back to God and acknowledge the ways that I either currently believe he's not enough or I'm tempted to believe he's not enough. And even say, God, I can't fix my heart in that. Will you help me? Mm. And through the age-old disciplines of reading the Bible and praying and, and meeting in local churches, those things are means of grace for us to make the reality of of God and his sufficiency for our souls um, tangible. And if we're faithful to do that daily, it fills our souls. And so our souls are no longer aching with thirst and we're driven to our friends for that. They're actually filled to overflowing. Like Jesus told the woman at the well, you know, that whoever believes in me, you know, whoever comes to me will drink of living water and it will become within them a, a fountain. And then we're able to reenter friendships 
not out of deep thirst and I'm, I'm always hungry for something from my friends. Instead, we can come in filled with something to give to them and we can be more givers of friendship instead of demanders of it um, in, mm. in our hearts. And that takes time though. Like that's not a one-time thing. That's not like uh, I, I'm recognizing I have a problem today and I'm going to go have this moment with Jesus this afternoon and everything's going to be different. That's, that's probably right. not going to happen. But I, I think if you're not... There are some practical things I tell people sometimes, but if you're not going to make a decision to daily go, I'm going to go back to the Lord and I'm going to fight for my walk with him and my relationship with him, then every practical thing I would have to say is not actually going to produce the fruit you want because yeah. that is the the engine that yeah, enables. That's the foundation. Yes. So uh, that's to me, that's where we start is recognizing this is it's a forsaking of God to look to friends for what only God can give. And so we go back to him um, and, and we ask him to accomplish the change in our hearts that we need. And, um, and then sometimes it means that we have, we have conversations with our friends. If we see unhealthy patterns and God's making us aware of it, there can be a place to sit down with a friend and go, man, I really care about you and love you, but I've been looking to you for things that you know only God can give. And, and I think mm. for a season, we don't need to talk on the phone for an hour every day, or mm. um, I really want to take seriously my my call to be someone who loves God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I haven't. And that means it might look different for a season so that we're not leaving our friends high and dry. They're like, whoa, you just peaced out. What happened? You know? Um, <laughs> right. Sometimes it, we have to kind of have some redefining moments in our friendships um, mm-hmm. and, you know, talk through that with them. But it it definitely isn't that we don't need people. And I'm glad that you brought that up from your marriage counselor, because um, the the reality of having access to God does change a ton of things for friendship. But one thing it doesn't change, it's not like because you have him and he's enough, you don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't think anywhere in the Bible do we see um, that modeled encourage or anything if anything we see the opposite it's not good right we see the exact opposite with like the disciples i mean prime example even when you even when you think of christ that he is god he was god in the flesh needed nothing from man and yet he chose Mm -hmm. to walk out his humanity in the company of friends and Mm -hmm. he asked them for things like hey i'm i am before the cross in the garden of gethsemane please come and, and stay awake and pray with me you see him asking for things from people. So it's not that we don't need anything from them, but I do think, and some of what I try to do in the book is we need to redefine some of what those needs are. Um, Mm -hmm. We need to see how the gospel changes and shapes what we actually need from our friends Mm -hmm. and what we don't actually need from them. Because there are things we we don't need from them that the world says we need and and those we can reject, but there are real legitimate needs that we have um, for friendship. And they start with that at least when you have Christian friends, it should start with this foundation that Christ is the fountain of living water. Mm-hmm. He is where my needs are met and we're going to unite around that truth. And so our friendship becomes less about pointing to one another and more a pointing to him that we're pointing one another back to the fountain together. And we need, that's something we legitimately need. We can't yes. do this. Life. We can't do it alone. Yeah. Uh, it, people, nobody can see me, but I'm nodding so hard right now that like my headphones <laughs> almost fell off. Like, because I love that you've talked really openly about like the world's view of friendship is so small and it's so constricted, yeah. but this biblical friendship that like we're starting to talk about, God, it's so like wide and deep and life giving and all of these things that like 
like I said about that picture from marriage counseling, that, like, God uses these people in our life to, like, minister to these needs, like, that are God-given, like, Mm -hmm. our need for security and love and affection. Like, God created us with those things, and Mm -hmm. he is the ultimate source of them, but I fully believe that he uses biblical Christ-centered friendship to minister to those needs. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about, like, what biblical Christ-centered friendship looks like. I mean, so we've created the foundation that it looks like Pointing back to Christ, you are not here to meet my needs. Mm-hmm. You are not an idol. I do not like. It's almost like it's almost like I don't need you. I want you. Mm. Almost, you know. Yes, there's definitely some of that, and there's definitely some still. I need you. It's just a, mm-hmm. it's. And here's here's something that I think is key in redefining this is, it's not that I need you, individual. I mm. I need friendship. But in marriage, there's an exclusivity there that is important because it's shadowing Christ in the church. Mm-hmm. But in friendship, you know, I, I can look at my friend Liz and, and say, I need someone to encourage me this week. I am struggling. And that is a legitimate need. But if she is not available for me that week, I cannot put on her. I don't have any grounds to go, no, you, Liz, my, you in particular have to be here this week. I... I can't do that to her. I don't have, I don't own her. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't belong to one another. And so that's why it's good for us to have communities. We don't just need one best friend. We need to be in local church service communities because if she's not available, I can go to my friend Laura and be like, hey, Mm -hmm. I need encouragement today. Can you meet this need? Um, Can you come pray for me? And if she's not available, I have someone else to go to. And then if they're not available, I have my small group leader to go to and say, I need help today. Who can help me? And ultimately, if if all else fails, if you're in a local church, your elders, that's part of their their role, your pastors and elders, that you should be able to go to them with legitimate needs for community and say, I have done all I can and I no one has been available for me. Can you please help me? And if they understand mm-hmm. their role as a shepherd of the flock, they will find a way to make sure someone's there for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one way that healthy biblical friendship is different than the world because um, the world is very, uh, is, is marketing a form of friendship right now, especially best friendship. That's very ownership driven. We belong to each other and I need you particular friend, but the Bible would say you need people. You don't need one maybe specific person. So that means if, if God leads you to move somewhere else, you still need people, but it's mm-hmm. not that you look at your old small group or group of friends and say, if you don't move with me, I'm not going to survive, you know? Right. Yeah. We don't need that specific friend, but we do, we do need, we do need people. Um, yeah. Not an individual. There are obligations within, within, um, within friendship and with communities, but they're corporate. They're not uh, on an individual level. And Ooh. I think that's something that's really important. And again, if, if, Christ is not the foundation, that can be a really scary place to be, right? Like, that feels really um, scary for most people. I think that's the element of friendship that we're often looking to it for the most, is that kind of stability in a changing world, like, oh, I have my one BFF and I'm okay. And so Mm -hmm. when I talk about this element of friendship, I think it produces for a lot of people a lot of fears. Well, what do you mean? You know, like, it feels really wobbly and unstable to them. And that's where I would say, well, Christ has to be that stability. You still need mm. people, but we all face seasons of shift and change, and that's not bad. I mean, even when you read the New Testament, you see the disciples and the apostles 
in a season where the goal of friendship and the goal of their community is not one another, but the kingdom of God. It's outside mm. of themselves. And because they have an external goal, their lives are shifting and moving and Paul and Barnabas are being sent out and this person is in prison. These people aren't seeing each other anymore. Philip is ministering with his friends and God sends him down a desert road. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not like buddying up BFFs, staying together, singing Kumbaya forever. Mm-hmm. They're being sent out and um, because the goal is bigger than themselves. It's not about meeting each other's needs. It's about a, this external goal of the kingdom of God, which, as you mentioned earlier, I think is so much more of an enjoyable thing, so much more of a uh, life-giving thing and meaningful thing to be about something bigger than just self-fulfillment, to go, we're absolutely being about this rich kingdom of God. We have a role to play in it. We get to be comrades together, if anything, more than, um, you know, best friends who are just linking arms just because it feels good, you know? And right. I think that's more fulfilling to the human soul to partner together with people in that way um, for something bigger than themselves. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. Christ-centered biblical friendship is about God's kingdom, not about my kingdom, you know? And well, and I think that that's so paradoxical to like really any definition of friendship you've ever heard, either in the yes. world or in the church. I mean, the, this is not something, I mean, it's, it, I would say it's like better in the church, but this degree of it, of mm-hmm. like, community of it not like the weight of your needs and your friendship being on one person mm-hmm. and like, being able to like it's almost like you go through the roster like not a roster but like right. you go through your like rolodex of like these are my people that i know that i can call and i it's interesting because i feel like i've been in this season of both mm. like i've been on the side of like being a believer but having my like one person and when that yeah. one person has their own life and their Mm -hmm. own struggles and their own stuff going on and they can't show up 100%, like, feeling let down and feeling Mm -hmm. like the friendship suffers for it and almost, like, holding them accountable for things that are, like, not theirs to carry exclusively for sure. Right. And then I've been on the side of this more wide-reaching, community-sized friendship Mm -hmm. where like literally exactly the the scenario you were explaining where you're like hey this is what's going on and they're like i'm i'm in that boat with you yeah. you know and which there's a there's that solidarity there mm-hmm. which is helpful i'm not alone but i need somebody to help me get out of the boat right you know what i mean mm-hmm. like okay cool i've got somebody in the boat like let's go find somebody to get us out right and and you can't do that if you and the friend are both struggling that's I think that that's that's such a like a mind opening way to look at it. That if it's just like me and my person, right. like what if we're both having a bad week? Right. <laughs> you know, like then what? Well, <laughs> and I think that betrays kind of our goals for life <laughs> some ways. Like if that if you're really okay with that, then that's like are you you're really okay with being that far from God? You know, like mm. It's essentially an admission that as long as I have my best friend, I, I'm mm. I'm okay with distance with God. Mm. And for the Christian, we should we're all tempted toward that. So that shouldn't if that's you, it's like you shouldn't feel condemned that I'm saying that or you resonate with that. That's part of the human condition. But it should awaken in us if we love Jesus, if we've said yes, He is he, He's my person. Um, he is the one who has saved me, redeemed me, and He is where life is found. Then 
we should eventually become awakened to the fact that, wait, whoa, I'm, I'm not near Christ. You know, of course, Mm. once he's purchased us, we are his forever. We don't, that there's no fear of, of losing, you know, there's nothing we can do to lose the salvation that's been purchased for us on the cross. But, you know, we should have, if we feel distant apart from him, we should have an awakening of like, whoa, I'm not near him. And we should want to do everything that we can to get back to him. We even Mm -hmm. see in Jesus in the gospel say, whoever doesn't consider, whoever doesn't hate father, mother, brother, sister, you know, cannot be my disciple. His point is your loyalty to me should far supersede any other loyalty in your life, including your friends, including family. So when you recognize I'm not right with God, in some ways we have the freedom to cast aside everything else to chase Christ. And sometimes that will make our friends frustrated because it can disrupt what maybe was like this mutual need meeting, not in a healthy way, but like Mm -hmm. mutual, like we're, we're kind of meeting each other's needs in a way that's not actually meeting them, but it feels pretty good for a season. And so for one of those people to go, no, I I need to chase Christ. That can feel really disruptive to that and feel wrong. And I've walked with people in that where they're either mad at me or if I'm counseling somebody that way, you know, it's frustrating because like, well, we were fine. It's like, Mm. I don't know if you were fine because you were okay with like, I don't care about Jesus, you know, and right. you're a Christian. Ooh, does that count as fine? <laughs> right. If you're a Christian, it's like, and I think that's the temptation is the, the early be- beginnings of unhealthy friendship, especially if it's mutually um, reciprocated between two people or a group of people feels to the, on the surface feels like winning the friendship jackpot. That's what I've told people. Mm. It feels like, like this, cause it's very fleshly. It's very, um, you are telling me I'm awesome. I'm telling you you're awesome. We're meeting each other's needs for being made much of. And so it feels great. And mm-hmm. so when someone comes in and addresses it and says, that's not great, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to see in that moment. Um, and so that's why I'm always appealing to the Christian. Like if Christ is your rock um, and he's not that important to you in this season, maybe this isn't actually mm. as great as you think it is. Yeah. Just because it feels yeah. good doesn't mean it is good. <laughs> right. And that's super challenging. And I'm I'm like thinking I might get some pushback on this podcast episode, which is my favorite thing in the whole world because <laughs> I'm an Enneagram 8. And I'm like, that please right. disagree with yeah. me. Because this is like, this is not what people want to hear. Like, this is not what people want to hear about their friendship. But like, right. how often was Jesus's message unpopular, you know? And like, well, if, yeah, and and if you even think about the Proverbs, what it tells us about friendship, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And, mm. you know, we should be wary of the kisses of the enemy, that mm-hmm. wounding friendship is, is, I think, one of the most necessary things that Christians need. If we're talking mm. about we want to be people who are following Christ in a world that's lying to us, um, that we're at battle with the world that is run, you know, by the prince of the power of the air, by Satan, then we have blind spots. We're going to be tempted by sin. And I need a friend who's going to look me in the face and say, you have a blind spot in your life. And, mm. and the, the enemy has an in in your life and you can't see it yet. And I've had those conversations and they're not fun. Uh, no. They're not enjoyable. They're not pleasant. But I, I wouldn't trade them for the world now because they've kept me safe. They have mm-hmm. kept my heart steadfast and secure toward Christ. They have been a service to me. That friend has loved me more than themselves because they've allowed themselves to be hated by me for a second, you know, yeah. so that my betterment can ultimately happen. And 
that is such a service that as Christian friends, we need to be doing for one another, but it doesn't feel good. And mm-hmm. the world wants friendship that just feels good and feeds the flesh. And we would say as Christians, yes. we want friendships that help us kill the flesh, which means conflict sometimes, like, means tension, be painful. <laughs> pain sometimes. But that's part of what we need in friendship. That's part of the, when yes. we say we need each other. That's actually what we need is yes. those kind of things, as well as friends to rejoice in things with and have fun with. Like we need that too. And so I don't want in this to sound like, wow, your version of friendship is really yeah. <laughs> Who wants no, that? No, no, no. We're talking about like the hard stuff here. Yeah. You know, like this is there. This is like getting there. You know, like it's the road to right. that other side of a friend mm-hmm. that rejoices and mourns and celebrates and shows up like you got to wade through this junk first Mm -hmm. you got to get there you know and have those hard conversations and establish those relationships where it there's room for them to like step in and like lean in and say like hey like this is not great Mm -hmm. you know like this is we need to look at this we need to talk about this I think I'm so excited for your book. I'm so excited for this conversation to continue Mm. because I think it's so necessary. I think that, like, I've been a believer for 10 years, and honestly, a lot of what you're saying, I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. mm -hmm, Yep. That's totally, I totally don't do that right. Or, like, yeah, like, I need to make room for that in my Mm -hmm. life. And so I think what you're doing is really important and I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's not always like easy, but I'm really thankful that you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hasn't been easy, but I've just seen the fallout of, um, of the other version of this too many times mm -hmm. to be okay with not saying anything. And I I really have looked for, for books. I think for a long time, I didn't want to write about this because I was looking for (laughs) who's already written this book that I can find and give to people because I, I need to think through these things. I need to be able to give them to people. And I really have not been able to find a thorough yeah. resource on this. So in some ways, I feel like I was only writing something that felt necessary for me <laughs> in yeah. seasons, you know. Sometimes so. those are like the best books come out of that where you're like, I feel like I've had a lot of conversation with, conversations with people where they're like, I kept looking for resources about this and I never found it. So I just made one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thank you. Thank you for like not just giving up and being like, I'm going to make this. Yeah. Um. So we're at the like end part of our interview where we do our rapid fire questions. All right. Bring it on. Um, <laughs> do you, what's your Enneagram type? I am a two with a one Ooh. wing. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So. I love that. Yeah. Do you like being a two? Some like, it's like, I either love being a two or I'm like, this is hard. <laughs> um, I, you know, in some ways with the whole Enneagram thing, I don't, I feel indifferent about it. I, not bad about it or, you know, good about it. I'm kind of like, yeah, I resonate with a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't have too strong of feelings either way. I, a lot of people are doing the Enneagram right now. And so I'm sometimes the Debbie Downer in those conversations because my God, <laughs> It's a, it's a number. Come on. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. It's right. helpful. It is really helpful. And so it's helped some conversations with me and some friends and um, and, and helping just put words to, you know, how we process things and deal with things. So, but when I took this test like 10 years ago, because it did exist mm. then, it yeah. was a one. So I've sometimes told people, I think God has done so much transforming work in the last decade of my life. It's been extremely sanctifying and painful. That I really do think that's showing up in like a personality way, like that 
how I process and view life has totally shifted because of the work of God. So even that I've been like, Absolutely. Can, you're not stuck there. And there's not one better than another. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, second question is, what is something that can always pull you out of a funk? Mm. Being outside. That's like Ooh. my usual go-to if I feel really discouraged, weird, or just, yeah. We have yeah. a lot of trees in our front yard and a few steps in front of our house. So I'll sometimes take my kids with me and tell them, you can't talk to me for 20 minutes. I'm setting a timer. <laughs> you can do whatever else you want. But I'm going to sit quietly for 20 minutes and I'll yes. sit on my front porch and stare at the trees for 20 minutes. And that that can heal a lot of things Absolutely. for me. Absolutely. I love being, especially if the when the weather is right yes. in that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, last one is, what is the last thing you watched on TV? Mm. Um, Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, I've never watched it. Uh, Jimmy and I, we love it. We've actually... We're watching it for the second time through, actually. So, oh wow, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I we we love great character development in shows and in mm-hmm. movies, and so it's just such a fascinating show to watch because of characters. They do a really great mm-hmm. job with that. So it's it's really interesting. I know a lot of men and women who like it, which to me feels surprising because I do. I know a lot of men who love it. It's, Isn't that funny? I love that. You just I feel like it, they would like it, but I think it is. It's it's the dynamics the yeah the people in it so yeah we that was the last thing we watched is another episode of Downton Abbey so I love it well Kelly this was amazing (laughs) thank you so much for taking the time to like share your wisdom about friendship and yeah how to kind of like wade through the weeds and get to what Christ has for us in that Mm. um tell people where to find and follow you so that they can know when your book comes out well um you can go to my website kellyneedham.com and find some articles on friendship there. If you just search friendship, you'll see some things come up for that. And um, you can find me, you know, just searching my name, Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook and all that as well. And there is, uh, you know, if you go to my website, you'll see some information on the book and, and how to pre-order it. And if you do pre-order it, we're working on um, creating some giveaways to go with that. Uh, we're going to have some video content early, um, accessible early to people who pre-order as well as a free uh, downloadable PDF when the book comes out that's a kind of going deeper guide for for individuals to just apply this into their life and group discussions and stuff like that. So um, if you pre-order that, you'll get some of those benefits as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All of that will be linked in your show notes, um, which people can always find at crappychristianpodcast.com. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thanks, Blake. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can find the show notes and more information about the show at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'll see y'all next week. This morning, Jen woke up, made three breakfasts, did two loads of laundry, and one conference call. But 
she also saved $25. Because Jen uses a new innovation from Huntington called Money Scout. It analyzes Jen's checking account to find money that's not being used and moves it to her savings automatically. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. Huntington, welcome. Message and data rates may apply to text alerts. Money Scout is subject to eligibility, terms and conditions, and other account agreements. Member FDIC. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.